And also, I want to pray for a few things, but I don't know if you guys have heard, I don't know a lot about it, but there was something that came to my attention last night about a uh, chapel meeting at a school in Kentucky. After chapel was over, people um, stayed behind and they were singing to the Lord, and all of a sudden, people really started coming together and confessing their sins, and more people started coming back from the chapel meeting, and then a bunch of kids from all over the campus came, and then more people from around the city and the state, and people are saying that it's a legitimate revival that seems to be breaking out right there, and people, the, the focus is truly on Christ. People are worshiping Jesus, confessing their sins, and of course, we all long to see revival, right? I know so many people who pray for it all the time, have been for years, and we need it more now than ever in this country and the world in which we live. And so I don't know if it is or isn't, but I certainly want to pray. I want us to pray together that that would be a genuine work of God's Spirit breaking out in that place and that it would sweep across the country. Amen. I'd love to see it hit us, but even if it doesn't, so long as God is moving and lives are being saved, I want to pray for that. So if you would, join me in prayer. Father, we love you. Just grateful for everybody who's come here today to sing to you, to hear from your word, to fellowship with one another, to join together in prayer. And Lord, we do lift up, really there's been so many things going on in the world just this week, so many things that we could be frightened or troubled by. Lord, I just think about the earthquake that happened in Turkey and Syria. Uh, so many thousands of people, over 25,000 people have died, maybe well over that at this point. And so we're just praying, God, for mercy on that land that through this, Christians would come in, I know they already have, and uh, would show the mercy of Christ as they seek to care for the people that are hurting so deeply. Father, please help the folks. Please reveal yourself to them through this time and bring to them, Father, the, the things that they need, the common needs, water, food, shelter, uh, love, mercy. I pray that you would pour it out in abundance, God, there. And I pray for what seems to be possibly, I am almost afraid to say it out loud, Lord, a spark of revival. And I pray, God, that that's exactly what's going on. And we pray, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out in fullness and that it would uh, explode and blow across our country, Lord. We need revival in this place. Things have gotten so crazy, so dark, and... We just feel helpless and hopeless at times even, but we know, Lord, that we are not without help. We know that we're not without hope. Lord, we know that you are in control, God, and we know that you are mighty to save, and we know that we have seen you pour your spirit out and do great works of revival throughout the centuries. We believe that you will do it again, and we hope and pray that you're doing it even right now, God. And so we join in the saints and pleading for your mercy in that way. And we thank you now for this time, Lord, as we gather together to study your word. Please speak through me. Father, use me for your glory that I might bless your people. And I pray, God, that you would open your word to us. Holy Spirit, you would speak to us and that, Father, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hallelujah. Here we go. So, last week, the title of our message was good gifts from a good father. 
good gifts from a good father. Maybe you remember that. And we talked about three particular gifts, three things in particular that God has given us. One was the gift of the helper. Amen? God gave us the Holy Spirit. Two, the gift of adoption. Jesus said that He would not leave us as orphans. He would come to us in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and we were adopted. Not just forgiven, but brought into the family of God. And lastly, we talked about the gift of fellowship, closeness, oneness with God. That God would make His home in our hearts through Christ. Amen? And that we would be so close with the Father and by extension so close one with another because the same Spirit of Christ that dwells in me, dwells in you, and we are one in Him. Amen? Those are good gifts because our Father is a good Father, and He loves to bless His children. Amen? We are blessed by the best. Can't be depressed. You can't be stressed. You can't be under duress when you are blessed by the best. Okay? And so we are in Christ. Well, today is a continuation of that list. And we're going, to focusly, we're going to focus entirely upon one gift, and that is the gift of peace. The gift of peace. So we're going to look at one verse. I am sorry. I mean, we're moving through John at a crawl right now. I mean, the pace is so slow. But look, these are the words of Christ. This is the teaching of our Savior. And so we don't need to just fly through this. This is it. This is the best. We need to savor this, savor the flavor. And so it's good to go out a crawl here. Now, we live in a world that is riddled with anxiety. Would you agree? With bitterness, with anger, with hostility. I mean, we live in the age of rage. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop, okay? But we do. We do. I mean, it's everybody's outraged, everybody, over nothing, over the smallest thing people are flipping out. Peace is something that most of the world desires. It's, it's in us. We desire it, but most of the world will never fully experience. It's something that the world desires but will never truly attain to or reach. We long for peace because we were made in the image of God. We were created in His image. And God, in His triune being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is peace. He's the God of peace, perfect peace. He has dwelled in perfect peace with the Son and the Spirit from all of eternity past. So when we are created in His image, there is something in us that delights in, that desires, that longs for peace. It's how we were created to be, to dwell in peace with our God, with our Maker, with our Father, just as Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were in perfect peace. But all of that was broken. All of that was destroyed when they disobeyed God's command and sinned against Him. And then the curse came and peace was broken. And fellowship with man and God was broken, and it has been shattered ever since. And then we see the way things just devolved in the world. We see what happened with their children, Cain and Abel, and on and on it went. By the time you hit Genesis 6, it says that the thoughts and intentions of man's heart was only evil continuously. 
So that de-escalated fast, or is that right? Escalated fast? Sorry. So anyways, we see that we were created to live in peace, but we live in a fallen and broken world that is devoid of peace, and we long for peace, though it seems to be always just out of reach. But in Christ, we can have peace, true peace, God's peace. We can have the peace that this world cannot experience, that this world cannot give, and most importantly, that this world cannot take away. Amen? We can have it. Peace is ours because we have the God of peace. We have the God of peace. He gives us our peace, uh, His peace, and nothing can take it away. And you need to know that. See, happiness is fleeting. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, I know you've heard this. Happiness comes and goes. We can receive it and have it snatched away from us in a moment. And everybody in, this, in here has experienced this. But peace is something that is sure, it is certain, it is steadfast. We can have it in any circumstance. God promised us that. That's good news. That's a good gift. Amen? And that is the central promise of our verse today. I was planning on teaching verses 25 through 31, but we're just gonna, I just knew we're just going to make it through one verse, so that's all good. So I really have one point. I have one point. I had three, but we're just going to do the one. We have peace because Jesus gives us His peace. We have peace. All right, repeat that. We have peace because Jesus gives us His peace. All right, amen. And so it is. We have peace. Why? Because Jesus gives it to us. So what does that tell us? It's a supernatural peace. You could even say it's an alien peace. And what do I mean by that? It is foreign to us. It comes from outside of us. It's supernatural. It makes no sense when everything is crashing down how we can have peace. When the whole world seems to be flipped upside down, we can have peace. It's supernatural. And it comes from outside of us. A lot of people in the world will say you need to look inwardly to find peace. Peace is on the inside. You need to search within. That's bad news. That's, that's, that's bad advice, okay? There's nothing good in there, all right? And there's nothing good outside around us. We need to go to God. He gives us supernatural peace. It comes from Him to us. That's why it is certain. That's why it is secure. That's why it doesn't change and it's not based on situations or circumstances because our God doesn't change. Amen. Our God doesn't get flipped out by situations and circumstances. And so his peace is consistent and he gives it to us. As certain as our God is, as sure as he is and his love is for us, we can have peace no matter what. We need that, don't we? That sounds good, doesn't it? We need some of that. Amen. Well, we have it in abundance. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. A lot to say about this, but before I move on, I do want to make one quick point. Jesus, Jesus contrasts his peace against what the world gives or what the world cannot give. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And we've heard that before. That's how this chapter started. 
Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, neither let them be afraid. And so Jesus appears to be juxtaposing, if you will, peace against fear. You have his peace, so you need not be afraid. And that's significant because there are people, maybe many of us, maybe some of us right now who are absolutely crippled by fear, paralyzed by fear. You may not even know that about yourself. You may not have even considered that. But if you think about it, it's true. And so the opposite of that is peace, trust, joy, rest, hope. We have that in Christ. Jesus says, my peace I, live, I, I give to you, my peace I leave with you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Many people live their lives from a posture of fear. You make all of your decisions based on fear. You spend your life worrying about the what-ifs. I saw a church marquee one time that I can't remember how it said it, but it did say something like, at the end of your life, all the what-ifs will have never have happened or something like that. And that just really spoke to me because I know we all know about the what-ifs. Don't we really govern our life by those? What if this happens? What if that happens? Well, Jesus says, don't do that. He gives you his peace. Don't let your life be governed by fear. Do not be afraid. Let not your hearts be troubled. That word troubled, it's a, it's a strong word. It's like waters that are troubled, like the raging sea, the ocean, and in the midst of a storm. And so Jesus says, don't let that be a picture of what your heart is like, because I give you peace. I calm those waters. Doesn't The good shepherd leads us by what? Still waters. Amen? And so we are not to let our hearts be troubled or afraid because we have his peace. He gives it to us. He leaves it with us. I love this. Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving, but he's not taking his peace with him. Jesus is going back to the Father, but he says, my peace, I leave with you. He leaves his peace with his disciples. J.C. Ryle, he says this, peace is Christ's distinctive gift. Not money, not worldly ease, not temporal prosperity. These are at best very questionable possessions. Why? They're fleeting. There's no guarantee in it. You may or may not have these things. He says they often do more harm than good to the soul. They act as clogs and weights to our spiritual life. Inward peace of conscience arising from a sense of pardon, sin, and reconciliation with God is a far greater blessing. Having the peace of God in your life, knowing that you have been made right with your Creator and He is your Heavenly Father, the peace that flows from that is greater than any treasure that this world could ever offer you on any day. It's Jesus' peace, and He says, I leave it with you. Jesus said that it was His peace that He is giving. I want to really emphasize that. It's His peace. Jesus is the source. Again, J.C. Ryle says it is especially His own to give because He bought it with His own blood. Purchased it by His own substitution and is appointed by the Father to dispense it to a perishing world. Jesus purchased our peace at the cross. We didn't have any peace. 
The Bible says that there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord in Isaiah, and I can testify to that. My life outside of Christ, before Christ, the way that I was living my life, no peace, only drama, okay? Nothing but drama. I could go off on some rabbit trails here and tell some stories, but I won't do that today. But I can just tell you that there was no peace in my life apart from God, apart from Christ. Now, Jesus purchased my peace. He bought my pardon at the cross when he died in my place. The biggest reason why we are without peace is because we are estranged from the Father. We are estranged from God in our sin. We're separated from Him. We are lost people. We are lost and we are separated from a good God. But in His goodness and love, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die in our place, to be our substitute. Amen? to live the life that we couldn't live of perfection, to die the death that we deserved in our place. And then he rose again from the grave, and he secured for us peace. He brought us peace between us and God, and he has given us peace in this life. It's his to give because he purchased it. Amen? He bought it for us, and it is his gift to us. So then, question, how is it that we receive this peace? If Jesus has this peace that he offers us, and we know that we need it, we want it, we desire it, how does that peace become ours? Well, as he has already said, it comes through the Holy Spirit, the Helper. Remember that? He just said this. I'll read it for us again. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. So it is through the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit that we can know and experience personally the peace of God. It is through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He said, I will send you a helper. You will not be alone. There should be great peace that comes from that, right? And he dwells within us. We have a helper who resides within us forever. The Spirit of Christ that dwells within us. We're born again, made alive in Christ, brand new creations. And we have the Holy Spirit in us and we have his peace which is totally consistent with Galatians 5.16, which says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and what? Peace. Love, joy, peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which means that if the Holy Spirit is living in you, if the Holy Spirit is in your heart by faith in Christ, peace is going to be a natural byproduct. It's going to be a natural outflow in your life. Do you have God's peace? You can and you should have God's peace. You know, I remember when I, as I said, I didn't have God's peace and then I did have God's peace and it was so tangible. It was amazing. It was, it was like nothing I had experienced before. My sins were forgiven. The old man is gone. The new had come. I was living a new life with new desires and purposes and goals. And, man, it was amazing. But, you know, as time goes on, you forget about that. You forget about the newness of it all. 
and you become used to this peace, as, as odd as that may sound. And I think that we begin to forget about or appreciate the peace that we have in Christ. We're different. Things are not like they used to be. And sometimes I have to reflect on that a little bit. If I am tempted to get down or discouraged about where I'm at in my life, all I need to do is think back to where I was before Christ and consider the good gifts that have come into my life now and to consider the peace that I have now. You know, there are stresses of life. We all know this, but they do not compare to the peace. I mean, you know, compared to what my life used to be and the peace that I have now, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, so I'm just going to keep moving. The Bible says so much about peace in relationship to God. We know this, right? The Bible says so much about peace in relationship to God, just to name a few. Our God is the God of peace. Our God is the God of peace. Philippians 4.9, it says, These things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. As we meditate, as we pray, as we express gratitude and thanksgiving to God, that's what Philippians was just talking about, be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things give thanks, meditate on praiseworthy things, and what is the promise? That the God of peace will be with us. Our God is the God of peace. You need to know that. Do you know that? If you are in Christ, your God, your Father, is the God of peace. And He made a way for us to have peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God did that. God made a way for us to have peace, first and foremost, with Him. He reconciled us to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have been justified. You know what that means? It means declared innocent, declared guiltless. God said, you are forgiven. God said, you are innocent. Now, can I tell you something? We, don't, we probably don't feel very innocent, do we? I don't feel very innocent. Maybe you do. I don't. But it doesn't matter how I feel because God says I am. And God says you are too. Why? Because when He sees you, when He sees me, He sees Christ. He sees the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ in our place by faith. And so God can say, you are guiltless. You are innocent. You are justified. You are justified. And as a result, we have reconciliation with God and we have peace with God. And then, as a result of that, we have the peace of God. So God is the God of peace. We have peace with God. And as a result, we have the peace of God. Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that makes no sense. I love that. The peace of God that the world cannot comprehend. The peace of God which surpasses knowledge, which surpasses human understanding, is ours in Christ. That is what guards our hearts and our minds. The peace of God. I mean, what a promise. 
What a gift. What a gift. When we have the God of peace and we have the peace of God and peace with God, what can take that away? What can strip that from us? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus said that His peace was not the peace that the world offers. Now, the world offers peace. The world offers peace and, you know, it's little more than an absence from external disturbances, right? That's kind of the, the world's idea of peace. The absence of disturbance, right? And hey, I'll take that. When my kids go to bed at night, man, peace in the house. You know what I mean? And I'll take that. I'm good with that. And so, I mean, just to be real, in a, in a way, worldly peace is good, okay? It's not like a bad thing, but it's, it's no more than that. There was this um, barbarian leader of uh, the northern barbarian armies that fought against Rome, and he said this about Rome. They make a desert, and they call it peace. And what he means by that is they come in, and they obliterate the enemy. They leave the place as a wasteland, and they say, peace, because there's no more external disturbance. They have destroyed the enemy. That's worldly peace, right? But... That's not biblical peace. One commentator says, The world only offers an experience of momentary, fleeting tranquility through self-indulgence, materialism, love, romance, substance abuse, false religion, psychotherapy, or a host of other placebos. But the world's pseudo-peace is in reality the bliss of ignorance. The world's peace is only an illusion, a peace based on temporary positive circumstances or ignorant escapism is not genuine peace at all. I like that last line. A peace based on temporary positive circumstances or ignorant escapism is not genuine peace at all. That's not real peace. Biblical peace is much more than the absence of strife. It's that which makes good grow. That's kind of the essence of it. God's peace is that which makes good grow. You know, the, the, the Jews will use this term shalom. It's peace in Hebrew. That's, that's a greeting, a common greeting. Shalom, right? And it means peace. And this idea of shalom is when all things are as they ought to be. I like that, don't you? When all things are as they ought to be. That is God's peace. That which makes good grow. Not just the absence of disturbance, but the presence of God's blessing. The presence of God's blessing. Because here's the thing. Hear me on this. If we're waiting for an absence of tension or disturbance, we're never going to have peace. Can I get a witness? Come on now. Somebody better testify. If we are waiting on the absence of disturbance in this world or tension, we're never going to be at peace. Because in this world, there will always be tribulation. There will always be chaos. There will always be things that can bring us fear. This is exactly what Jesus says in John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. There's always going to be tribulation in the world. And according to the Bible, that's only going to get worse and worse. At the same time, we can be of good cheer knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and we can have peace in Him. It's because of whose we are. We belong to God. We belong to Jesus. And He is in control and our life is in His hands. And we know that He is perfectly good and we know that He is all-powerful and He is all-knowing. And we can just let go. And we can just fall back into that. We can just rest in that. That's the idea. You know, there are different... You know, there are reasons for disturbance, if you will, or fear or tension in our lives that disrupt our peace. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. It's just stuff that we did to ourselves. We did something dumb, okay? And we've all been there. Maybe some of us are there right now, but we've done something, and maybe it wasn't dumb. Maybe it was who knows what. You fill in the blank, but it's something that stems from our own choices or behavior. And you know what? God is faithful. God is gracious. God is merciful. And He's with you. He will get you through it. God is not saying to you, look at what you did. I'm just going to let you sit in that for a while and you know, learn. He, no, God, God loves you. And God's forgiveness is very real. It's, it's beautiful. His mercy is beautiful. All right? And so God is with us even in those things. He will see us through it. But sometimes it's just the decisions that we make, and we need to make different decisions in our life. If we're doing things that we know continually cause drama and conflict, then maybe we need to just readjust some things, right? Sometimes a lack of peace or disturbance comes from close associates, kinds of folks that maybe we have in our lives that are just prone to drama, you know, I just remember, I remember when I moved out of my home state, South Carolina, to go to a, a faith-based Christian recovery program in Tennessee, and then I went back to visit my family for the first time, and we were all sitting outside, and one of my uncles, my, my family was out there, offended one of my other uncles, and then uh, the one that got offended went to go get his gun, and then everyone just scattered, and I'm just sitting there by myself on the porch, and I thought, it's good to be home, you know? I mean, that's just kind of what it was like, and so just family drama, and we know what that's like, and it could be family, it could be friends, it could be any kind of relationship, but we know that sometimes there are certain things that just invite drama and disturbance into our life, and we might need to do something about that, really, just removing ourselves from negative influences. That's not always the answer, but sometimes it is as simple as that, right? Sometimes life brings things in that are totally uninvited. We, fall in a, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen, broken, sick world. One day, God is going to totally renew one day God will make all things new. He'll wipe away every single tear. And we long for that day, but right now we live in a sick, diseased, fallen, corrupt world. And these bodies that we live in are fallen and corrupted. And so we know what it is to suffer. We know what it is to experience pain, to experience loss, to experience depression and anxiety on a physical level, and to experience uh, so many other things and Sometimes it's as simple as that. We live in a fallen world. It's not anything that we did on our own, but it's something that for whatever reason we have to cope with, we have to deal with, and we have God's 
promise of peace even in the midst of those things. Even in the midst of those things, God will see us through. And so often, I have found that people who have suffered the worst have the closest, most mature walk with Jesus I've ever seen. It's like there's something that they discover about God that so many people will never know because of how they have suffered. Because our Savior has suffered in ways that we will never know. And it's like a special fellowship that suffering saints experience with our suffering Savior when He sees them through as a faithful, compassionate high priest who can sympathize with our weakness and with our suffering and with our sorrow. Amen? And so sometimes those things are very real in our, in our lives, but you know what? The God of peace is with us in that. Sometimes God brings things into our lives. Sometimes it's God's doing. God brought things in your life to shake things up. One, to test you, to show you where you are at and what you're trusting and hoping in. You know, when the, the cup gets tipped, what comes out, you know, that's what was in there. That's a very silly and elementary principle, but it is what it is. I remember the first time as a Christian I heard that. When I got bumped and, I, and anger came out, that let me know I got anger in my heart still. Thought it was gone, but it's still in there, and God's going to get that out of me. And so there are things that are in you that God is going to get out of you, like it or not. And so sometimes God, the means that God uses, they're not the means that we would use if we were writing the story, but God is God, and He knows what is best. And sometimes God brings all kinds of crazy disturbance into our life, not only to show us, but also to strengthen us, to strengthen us, to strengthen our faith, to grow us, to refine us. And so we need to know, I don't want to act like being a Christian means that you're never going to have any kind of disturbance in your life. Right? You will. In this world, we will have tribulation, but we can have God's peace in the midst of it. The reality is there's just upheaval going on all around us all the time. Some of the things we can control, most of them we cannot. But the truth remains that we must keep our mind and our hearts fixed upon Jesus. That we can control. That is within our power. There are so many things going on around us that we have no control over. Try as we may, but we can't. What we can control, though, is what we fix our hope on, our minds and our hearts. And the Bible tells us we can and we should and we must do that. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Man, what a verse. God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on Him because they trust Him. Are you trusting God in whatever it is you're going through right now? Whatever God is going to bring you through, will you trust Him? Will you keep your mind fixed on Him and not on the outer circumstances? You see, there are things that we will focus on in this life that will disturb us and depress us and frustrate us and deflate us. And that is circumstances, possessions, people, and ourselves. If you're focusing on yourself, if I'm focusing on me too much, I can tell. 
I can tell when, when I start getting, getting sideways and I'm really stressing and struggling and feeling discouraged, I t- typically it's because I'm just thinking about myself way too much. And that is something to be discouraged about. I need to take my eyes off me and fix them on Jesus. Amen? When we get overly fixated on other people and relationships and possessions and positions and you name it, those things will take us to a place of discouragement and despair oftentimes. We have to take our eyes off of that and fix our hope and our mind on God and the truth of God. Paul puts it like this in Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. The word for rule is used only here in the New Testament. The origin in the original language. It's used only here. And it was used of an umpire in competitive events. That's the word for rule. So as the umpire was the one to decide the outcome of an event, we have to let the peace of God guide us in the same way. The peace of God decides. The peace of God rules. The peace of God determines. Amen? And so no matter what's going on, that was a weak. I got a couple nods there. I think I might even heard a hmm. Hmm. Don't worry, I'm wrapping it up right now. When we have the peace of God, and I will kind of close with this, so just recap, we have Jesus' peace, amen? He gives it to us. It's supernatural, it's outside of ourselves. It's a peace that the world cannot give. It's so much better, so much deeper. It's a peace that the world cannot take away. It's a peace that we can have in the midst of the worst chaos Because as long as we're in the world, that's just the way the world is going to be. So we have to learn to have peace in the midst of it. There are some things that we can do about it. There are many things that we can't do about the things going on in the world. But we must at all times fix our mind on the one who gives us perfect peace. Amen? 15-minute little recap there. What then follows is that we're going to have peace with each other. And a lot of times, there lies the, the, the issue. It's struggles and issues with other people, right? We got peace with God. We're good with God. We just don't get along with anybody else. See, that's a problem. That's a problem. There's a disconnect there. I saw, I've, I've talked about this before. I've heard uh, someone had a bumper sticker that said, I love God. I just can't stand his people. <laughs> well, I would... I see someone clapping. Hey, stop that. <laughs> that cannot be. That ought not be. It mustn't be. If we have peace with God, we've got to have peace with His people. We have to love His people. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone. Romans 12, 18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore... I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That means if you call yourself a Christian, you need to live a life that is consistent with that. And then he tells us what that looks like. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the bond of peace. The bond that holds us together. It's a glue, okay? It's, it's the, the peace of God. It ought to bond us together in unity. Amen? 
We have peace with God. We must have peace with one another. So I would just ask you, do a little self-assessing. How's that going for you? Are you at peace with others, or do you find yourself being constantly at strife with other people? Constantly at strife with other people. You might need to ask yourself some hard questions. What's going on there, right? But also know this. If you're dealing with a person who is difficult to deal with, you have the peace of God. You have the love of God. You have the Spirit of God. You have the ability to be at peace with that person. You don't have to return fire. You know, you don't have to fight back. You don't have to argue. You don't have to let a, bit, a root of bitterness take hold in your own heart. You can be at peace with God. You can be at peace with others. You can be at peace in this crazy world. God wants us to have peace. And that's thoroughly biblical. I don't apologize for that. I'm not going to tell you that God wants us to have health and wealth and prosperity and cars and all that stuff. But I will tell you this, God wants us to have peace. He sent His Son Jesus so that we could have peace with Him and peace in this world. And He promised a peace that the world can't know and the world can't take away. It's yours. All you have to do is believe Him. Receive that peace. Receive the Holy Spirit. Trust Christ for salvation. If you don't know Jesus, I implore you, I beg of you, I plead with you, cry out to Him today for forgiveness. I don't understand all of this, but I know that there is a God, and I have to give an account one day for the things that I've done in this life, and I don't measure up to His standard. But from what I'm hearing, the Bible says that Jesus died for me, rose again from the grave, and that if I stop trusting in myself and I trust Him, if I call upon His name, I can have God's forgiveness. I can have God's peace. I can have a brand new heart, and I can have the hope of eternal life in heaven with Him. See, that can be yours right now, right now. It's as simple as believing. It's as close as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. God raised Him from the dead. Amen? That's good news. That's where peace begins. And peace abides as we continue to walk with Jesus and to fix our eyes and our hope upon Him in this life. Amen? All right. Father, we love You. We praise You, O God. We delight ourselves in You, and we thank You for Your peace. Jesus, thank You that You promised us peace. That Your peace You would give to us, Your peace You would leave with us, a peace the world knows nothing about that our hearts don't have to be troubled, our hearts don't have to be afraid because we have the peace of God from the God of peace. We have the gift of peace from the Prince of Peace. We thank you because we, we need that, Lord. Lord, we need that in this, in this life, in this time that we live. Thank you that you love us and you give it to us, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every good thing that you may do His will. Working in us what is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.